This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast. Welcome in to Titans Film Radio. This is the Titans Film Room Podcast. I'm Justin Graver, and with me as always is James Esparza. And interestingly enough, with us today, and for the foreseeable future, Jimmy Morris, the lead editor... Is that a thing? What's your title? Yeah, that's, that's good. The lead editor of MusicCityMiracles.com, the website we're all associated with, the host of the MCM Radio podcast with along with Terry... Just Jimmy joining us here as Terry has a lot of other things, good things going on in his life. So we're going to have Jimmy on our show for a while. Jimmy, thanks for joining us and welcome. Yeah, man. So glad to uh, join y'all. Y'all do a great job. Uh, Terry has something like 37 Christmases that he has to attend in the next uh, few weeks. So he's going to take a little step away. So we figured it'd be good to combine efforts. So I'm really excited about getting this rolling. And it was James's idea. So James, you should talk. <laughs> Hey, put me on the masthead. I'm a moderator. We can do that. Yeah. We should make that happen. That'd be cool. And then I'll become whatever the new thing's called, like special interest (laughs) contributor or whatever the heck. And speaking of not that, we have a podcast that we have today, and we did some very quick bits of news before we recapped the Titans' sad loss to the Houston Texans. We had a great discussion about if this is the same old Titans that we're used to seeing over and over again every year, depressing, depressing, depressing. And uh, we talked a lot about how the offense performed in this game and how the defense performed in this game. And that's it. Then we have a second podcast that we also recorded tonight. That'll come to you later. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for this. Stick around and we will start it now. I mean, I hope the mood is... Uh is hungry. I mean, I'll see these guys in a little bit. I, we got a coach and we got to, we got to come back on Wednesday and, and prepare. And, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be long faces. I'm sure there's disappointment. We're disappointed when we lose. We put a lot into this every week, um, players and coaches, and, um, you know, they, they'll be sore. They'll be, you're always a lot more sore when, when you lose. That's how it goes. Um, so, you know, we, we can't, uh, we can't just, pout and, and feel bad for ourselves, feel sorry for ourselves. we, we got to go on to the next week. All right. Yes. Sad, sad day. The run is over. Here we are. Joining me, as always, is James and joined by Jimmy Morris, the lead person of Titans Music City Miracles, as we mentioned. So we're going to dive right in. The Titans lose 24-21 the division rival Houston Texans code blue was a big letdown it seems um the offense struggled the most it struggled since the game against the Panthers which was also a loss but they didn't struggle to move the ball they just struggled to put points on the board which ultimately cost them quick bit of news I want to touch on the Titans did not claim Terrell Suggs or Janoris Jenkins off of waivers they did not put in a claim for either player so we are content with the roster as is including Ryan Suckup. He's still on the roster as of this recording, Monday evening. He might be moved to IR. He might be released. We have no idea what's going to happen. I hope something happens because that's been a problem. And we have no injury updates on Adoree Jackson or Adam Humphreys or anyone else for that matter. So with that, we will discuss this loss. I'm going to turn it over to Jimmy because we're getting a lot of same old Titans. Jimmy, same old Titans? Yeah, see, I think that's crap. Like, you know, when you think about, to, at least to me, 
when you say same old Titans, I think about games. Um, let's, we go all the way back to the Matt Hasselbeck year, where the Titans go to the Colts, the you know that were one in fourteen or zero in fourteen, whatever they were at the time. And you know the Titans ended that season nine and seven, but if they win that game, they make the playoffs. And they go they go to Indianapolis against a terrible Colts team and play terrible and lose. You know that that's to me that's the kind of cycle that we see where we just have these games where like the, the Denver game this year, for instance, it's like the, the the huge letdown where they just lay an egg. They they're not prepared. They they look terrible. Really, the whole game. And so I mean, you know, the, the Titans they started slow here, but if you go back to you know you've got a, a blocked kick. On the first drive, you've got the whatever it was, second or third drive, where you have the the just the flute play to Ferkser, where it pops up and Merciless just you know it falls right in his hands. You know you had all kind of all that stuff working against them. They battled back, um, and, and you know I felt you didn't feel good at halftime, down fourteen to nothing. But you know I, I didn't feel like I should leave the stadium. I was at the game. Um, you felt like with this offense, with this team, they had a chance to come back, and they did. They battled back. They tied the game. You know, ultimately, it didn't turn out the way that we wanted it to in the fourth quarter. But that was a competitive game all the way through, and a game that if you get a bounce here or there that goes your way, the, the, the Titans win. So I think people are being too harsh. I mean, I saw so much today about every time they come out and ask for fans to come support them, they let us down. You had a game right there with two really good football teams, that the Titans just, again, a couple things don't go their way, and so they lose. I mean, that's the NFL. And so, to me, it wasn't a, you know, just one of these instances where they just got outplayed all over the field and, and they weren't ready or whatever. They just, a couple of bad breaks, doesn't go their way, don't have enough time to, to come back there at the end. So, to me, that, that's kind of garbage thinking, and I get the frustration. I mean, you know, you're it feels like we're marching toward a fourth straight 9-7 and seven season. We'll see if that is enough to give them the playoffs. I mean, you you have all those concerns, but this football team is competitive. This football team has a good offense that they can build on going forward. So they're fun to watch. They they're they're ready to play week in and out. So I I just I don't think that it's fair to to lump them in with some of those groups from the past. I mean, people forget this Texans team like hung fifty two points on our heads. And we managed to hold them to 24 points without Malcolm Butler or Dory Jackson. Uh, Tannehill was moving the ball, and like you said, there were just a lot of fluky plays. So I really think it is a victim, like a victim mentality to have when it comes to same old Titans, especially when we're sitting at eight and six. Steelers lost. We're still in this. Yeah, yeah, and we're gonna have meaningful football in Week 17 for what the third straight year. Um, you know, regardless of what happens Saturday and Sunday this coming weekend, um, e- even if even the Titans lose to the Saints and, and the Steelers win, uh, a Titans win against the Texans and a Steelers loss to the Ravens in week 17 would would still get the Titans in the playoffs. And again, like you feel like this team is hot and this team could do something if they get in the playoffs. You know, even the year what was it, two years ago when they won a playoff game. We never felt like that team was going to contend for the Super Bowl. I don't think this team is, is going to make it to the Super Bowl by any means. But, I mean, what? who in the AFC can they not beat? The Ravens, sure. I mean, everybody's having trouble stopping that offense. And with the defense being as beat up as it is, you would have your question marks there. But I think the Titans could score on the Ravens. So, I mean, you know, it, it's, like, it, it's just a completely different thing to me in that you have an offense that you feel like is, is competent that they can move the ball uh, against pretty much anybody. There's question marks about the defense, but again, 
when your offense can score, good things can happen. And that's the thing the Titans haven't had. When I think of same old Titans, to me, it's an offense is up and down and a defense is really good. And I think this year you have an offense that's going to keep them against the field or, I mean, keep them on the field, keep them competitive. And if you get some players back on defense, I mean, I think you're, you're looking at a, at a team that nobody really wants to play the playoffs. Yeah, with that running game with Derrick Henry, yeah. I agree. I think same old Titans would have been three and out, three and out, three and out, punt, 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 boring. Oh my gosh, the offense is broken. Blown out. It didn't ever feel insurmountable. Like in Denver, when it was 7-0 or 10-0 or whatever, it's like, oh, well, this game's already over. But against the Texans, it felt like I was just thinking about two weeks ago against the Indianapolis Colts when it was 17-7 to and they came back and won that game. They came back in this game and tied it 14-14. to while we're on the subject, Ryan Tannehill, effective with the ball in his hands again, 22 for 36 for 279 yards. He threw two touchdowns. He ran one touchdown, but it was his lowest completion percentage as a starter yet for the Titans. He was only at 61.1%. It was his second lowest yards per attempt this year at only 7.8 yards per attempt, which is still pretty high. And Derrick Henry, who played uh, limited, which I think was a huge factor in this game, actually, Finished with 21 carries for 86 yards, a respectable, a respectable 4.1 yards per carry. But it, he in, ended his six-game touchdown streak. His last scoreless game was against the Bucks, And he did not get in the end zone this game. I think that now the Ferkser play was fine, and it should have been a touchdown. But the play where the ball bounced off Ferkser had it and gets not hit, the ball bounces in the air, intercepted, returned 88 yards. On that play, if Derrick Henry's fully healthy, maybe that's a handoff to Derrick Henry there so I think that that does play a huge factor and um you know 21 carries for 86 yards is pretty good but Nick Chubb had like 115 something yards something like that and now he's ahead of Henry by more than he was last week for the rushing title and that's no good and AJ Brown the last guy I want to touch on he's just a beast I mean what can we say about AJ Brown eight catches 113 yards 13 targets and he had that touchdown on a play where he kept working to get open way after the the play was the route was over so that, those are good players, and they've had good games, but just didn't do enough getting the ball into the end zone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you talk about his completion percentage. You got the first play, right, which goes as, as an interception. Um, Corey Davis had, what, two drops? I know he had at least one. And, well, okay, so he had the drop, and then there was the other play where Tannehill was kind of scram- was scrambling, and he threw it. And Corey Davis, I, I think he thought somebody was behind him. So he didn't jump up and try to catch the ball. But, you know, it feels like there, there were a couple things there that, you know, could have gone the other way. Um, and you may want to talk about Corey Davis a little bit more in, 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 the, in a few minutes. But, like, to me, if they could ever get Corey Davis going, think about the, the, the wide receiver duo they could have. Because A.J. Brown, I mean – this may be ridiculous, but I'm I'm ready to, to declare him the best receiver the Titans have had since they moved here in 1999. And I understand it's his rookie year and all that stuff. But you have finally have an alpha dog at wide receiver, and that's just something that they have not had. And again, these are the things that, that make you excited about at least the future of this team. And again, the, the prospects of what they can do if they're able to get in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I do want to talk about Corey Davis. And I think what's interesting about Corey Davis is – People are starting to think, man, if A.J. Brown can do this, then Corey Davis must not be very good, right? And I don't think that though that, that should be the thought process here. I think when given the opportunity, those two plays that you mentioned aside, Corey Davis continues to be electric when he gets the ball in his hands. 
the second and seven play was the only designed play that was a predetermined read to go to get the ball in Corey Davis's hands and let him make a play. There wasn't really much to work with in front of him. He used his speed to get around the outside and picked up a huge gain and a first down on second and seven. And those kinds of plays happen, seem to happen every time he touches the ball. He catches the ball and turns up field and gets three or four or five extra yards before you even realize what's what's happening. And I think it's important to remember. So AJ Brown, like you just said, bet possibly the best Titans receiver in they've ever had in Nashville. When AJ Brown was at Ole Miss, DK Metcalf on the other side of the field, who's been a beast in Seattle, who has more yards this year in Seattle than he ever had in a single year in college already in the NFL as a rookie. He he also wasn't can't he couldn't produce opposite AJ Brown because AJ Brown is a target hog. He gets open so often that and he has the quarterback's trust so much that he's the first guy the quarterback looks to when things break down or he gets in trouble. His touchdown, the perfect example of that. AJ Brown is so so good at creating separation, at getting open physically and with quickness that he's a target hog. And that's what happens when you play across from a target hog. And that is the I in my opinion, that's the reason that Corey Davis is failing to produce because he's getting open. We've seen I've seen a couple threads about it this past week. Corey Davis getting open and not getting a target, or Corey Davis being used as a decoy, or Corey Davis on AJ Brown's second touchdown against the Raiders being the guy who sets the pick to get AJ Brown open. Those are things that are happening. I mean, they're they're excuses, sure, but I think they're also real things. So I'm st- I remain high on Corey Davis, and I think that his low production is just good for the Titans because it means that he's not going to have the the ability to demand a super high priced number five overall pick type money based on his production. Or do you think seven to eight million a year? I think he could get. I think yeah. I think he could be signed in the Mohamed Sanu range, who signed with Atlanta before he was traded to to the Pats for, I think, five years, 32 million or something like that. Like, that's totally doable, right? Yeah, and I'm interested yeah. I'm interested to see how, because, I mean, you know, they have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. I, I don't see any scenario where they pick that up this coming off season. Um, so I'm interested to see what they think about him, you know, internally. Because you're right. I mean, when, when he does catch the ball, good things happen. And we've seen games. I mean, think about how good Stephon Gilmore has been this year. I mean, you know, arguably the best corner in the league, and you're seeing all these different threads about how how good he is and how he's taking away all these receivers. Corey Davis owned him last year. Corey yeah. Davis owned him in the playoffs his rookie year. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there, there's – you see that there. I think the inconsistency has been the thing that's been frustrating, and that's just kind of the story when it comes to the Titans and wide receivers. Um, you, you see flashes, but you've had very few guys that have been able to put it together consistently. And that's what's so exciting about A.J. Brown. And, and I think, like, like you said, I mean, he is a, a bit of a target hog. But I think a, a little bit of that, it comes from that's the guy that Tannehill trusts. I mean, you can see when when things break down, that's who he's looking for. And you you see times where Tannehill drops back and he locks on A.J. Brown. And I haven't really seen him do that with Corey Davis. Now, again, that, that doesn't mean he's not good. That doesn't mean he can't be a productive player in this offense, but like right now it feels like AJ Brown is the guy that they drafted Corey Davis to be. And that's fine. Like it, that, it, if they're both good and they're both productive, then it, it doesn't really matter. But it, it just seems like it, AJ Brown has had a quick ascent to being the Titans number one receiver, kind of that role we were hoping Corey Davis would take. But again, it, it ultimately doesn't matter if both of them are good, who cares who's the number one or do you think that has to do with the inconsistencies we had at quarterback when Corey was the number one 
and Tannehill and AJ Brown kind of getting to develop some rapport, uh, not just during the offseason, but like in the beginning weeks when they were the number twos. I think that's overrated, to be honest. Really? I've, the media seems like they're so obsessed with asking that to, of all the guys, Mike Rabel and Ryan Tannehill and everyone. They're like, do you have a better rapport with Khalif Raymond because you guys work together on the second team in the offseason? Like, no, they really don't, honestly. They, these guys are getting all the number one reps in practice for way more weeks at this point in the season than they got in the offseason and training camp put together. So I think that that's an overblown factor, in my opinion, that those, I mean... A.J. Brown's just good. <laughs> That's what it is. That's why he has such a good rapport with him. Every quarterback A.J. Brown's ever played with had a good rapport with him. <laughs> oh, that is true. I do want to say about the Titans' offense that I think another another thing that suppresses Corey Davis's production is the Titans actually kind of have a lot of mouths to feed now, which is a crazy thing to even think about. But with they signed Adam Humphreys in the offseason, so a lot of those third downs are designed little outs to, to Adam Humphreys now that were Corey Davis plays last season. They have Johnny Smith, who they are rightfully feeding the ball to, getting him designed screens and designed plays like that. There's a lot of guys like Anthony Ferks are on the goal line is getting a designed target. And um, Corey Davis isn't. You know, I mean, maybe in other games, maybe in other situations against different matchups, I don't know what the deal is, but the Titans set up their offense. It's not really set up right now to feed two receivers. It's set up to feed one receiver that the quarterback really trusts when plays break down, like A.J. Brown, and a bunch of different weapons that Arthur Smith is trying hard to keep balanced and spreading his love to all those weapons, which is why Corey Davis only gets one designed at the line of scrimmage play. There was one other play that was designed for Corey Davis. Third and 13, Davis ran a little comeback route up the seam, and Ryan Tannehill hit him perfect timing, and it was a big conversion on third on a big third down. Yeah, and, and again, like I think so much of this you know, so much of this is viewed through the lens of Corey Davis, the fifth overall pick, right? And, and so people want him to live up to that draft spot. And I, I just, I don't think it's that big of a deal whether or not he, he, you know, because when you think of a fifth overall pick, you're thinking of a guy, you know, you, you want him to be like a Julio Jones or, you, you know, just whoever you want to name, Michael Thomas, whoever. And, and I don't think, like you said, I don't think that's the, the structure of this offense. Um, I, I don't think they're going to have a guy like that. And as long as he is consistently producing it, and we've seen that he can do that. Again, you go back to a couple games last year, New England and Philadelphia in particular. So we know he has that. It just, it hasn't shown through in this version of the offense. And again, at the end of the day, as long as everything's, as long as they're moving the ball, that's really all that matters. Funny thing is Michael Thomas was taken in the second round where Adrian Brown was. Yeah. And those two guys are better than uh Corey Davis. Yikes. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the defense. How's that sound? Yes. Dude, Janu is outrageously fast. Janu got a pitch play. They called a design to play a pitch at him. <laughs> and he ran away. Like, that was crazy. And, and the, I mean, just watching the video of him catching Merciless, like, <laughs> that was yeah. insane. He oh ran him down. <laughs> and from a long way away. It wasn't like yeah. he was, you know. Yeah. Good I almost though, I mean, that during the game. I'm right? a fan. <laughs> and it, I mean, it ultimately didn't matter. But uh, that's just, to me, like it's in the post, that's one of those things that I, I think that fires everybody up. And, yeah, it could have mattered. Like, yeah, if they exactly. No, exactly. Ball, yeah. yeah, and it's one of those things that Mike Vrabel definitely puts on the next sure. day in the meeting room and says, everyone has to do this. Be like him. Or you, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or you suck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's uh, what the team, that's what should personify the team, if anything. 
Yeah, and speaking of tackling and John R. Smith making huge tackles, let's talk about this defense. They overall only they only allowed 24 points to Houston, who has an explosive offense. Houston actually averages 24.4 points per game, so technically they held them below their average, or right about there. And uh, <laughs> But it also felt like they were... They were helped out by two huge turnovers in the red zone after letting Houston drive all the way down the field, and they couldn't get a crucial stop, a couple crucial stops. When it was 14-14, to 14, when it was 21-14 to 14, towards the end of the game, Houston was able to bleed the clock and drive all the way down the field and get the, the clinching field goal that made it a two-score game. So I don't know how I feel about the defense's performance, knowing that they were missing um, their top two of their top three cornerbacks in this game, but... It's just it. You hope to see more from. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Am I am I going? Am I over the line there? Is this on the? Is this game on the offense here? No, I think it was on all sides, really. I mean, special teams. Yeah, like you said, when you think about who they're missing, right? You're missing Cameron Wake, who I mean, he's been gone for a while now, but that that was their one of their answers this offseason when they needed to add pass rush help. So you're missing him. The pass rush was, you know pretty much non-existent in that game. Um, and when you're, you talk about you're missing Butler and Adoree, uh, you know, I, I think you have to be pretty pleased with how they played overall. Um, when you talk about those receivers that are going up against, and then, you know, the, the one, so Deandre Hopkins had, you know, those two really big plays in, in the second half. And, and one of them, like, I really thought Kevin Byard was, was going to pick that. We were sitting, I was sitting in the upper deck, and that play was coming, like, right at us. And it looked like Byard went a little bit too flat on that. If, if he would have gone up the field a little bit, he was kind of undercutting Hopkins. I mean, it was, it was one of those plays that was really close. But, you know, when, you, when a guy has that much time to throw and you've got a guy like DeAndre Hopkins running around out there, it, it's impossible to cover him forever. So, yeah, the defense is taking a step back from where they were at the beginning of the year. But when you, like I said, when you look at the, all the guys they're missing, um, it, it, you know, it, it's hard to expect them to do much better. And this is the Texans' offense has been inconsistent. But you, you mean we've we've seen these guys? We've seen Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Watson, and DeAndre Hopkins for years. We know about the explosive plays that they can make. So, listen, twenty-four points against, and really. I mean, the Texans' defense is really bad. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you put it a little bit more on the offense. And, again, you talk about all the points that were left on the field. Um, but I thought the defense played about as well as, as could be expected yesterday. Yeah, I think uh, I'm really hoping for that Week 17 game. Um, you know, you take those fluky plays out that happened this game, you know, we really stand a chance to win that game. That's true, yeah. And and you would expect, like, I mean, we talked about it a co- the last couple of weeks that – the Titans have gotten all those fluky turnovers out of the way before they have to play the big games, but here they are showing their head again. So are they fluky at this point? Has this just been three fluky games in a row? Titans have turned the ball over um, in the first half and set the other team up inside the 20-yard line three games in a row. At least it wasn't the opening drive this time, but the defense gave up a touchdown all three of those times. So that is, I mean, that's been a huge thing that the Titans have had to overcome and you keep saying like, all right, they're not gonna. That's not gonna happen again. When they don't have to deal with that, then they'll the offense will be better. But it's got to stop happening. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I think when you look at like uh, some of those Tannehill fumbles, yeah, that's stuff that you can definitely work on. But like, I don't know, like the that Texan defender just really made a play on fart, and it landed literally right in uh, Whitney Merciless's lap. So. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that one fluky. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. To to have it, uh, I mean, the, the 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 guy made a great play to knock it out. And then, I mean, I was listening to Dave McGinnis was on the Wake Up Zone this morning talking about, you know, there are times where a guy like Whitney Merciless doesn't even necessarily turn around when that play's happening just because of what his assignment is. And, and by the time he gets his head around, that ball's hit the ground. So, I mean, yeah, it was just kind of a, a combination of things. And then again, when you talk about, yeah, the Titans did get to, you know, similar plays as far as position on the field. But think about it. So the Titans... Kenny Vaccaro picks the ball off on the first drive, and they get the ball, what, at the two or what, whatever it was that he went out of bounds. Yeah, um, excellent then, play, right? Yeah, right. oh, absolutely. And then you get um, the other the other pick in the end zone, which is a touchback. So you're talking about, you know, two plays where the average field position for the Titans is like the 10, and then you get, you know, that interception that dude just kind of runs into and takes it all the way back to set up – or not all the way back, but, you know, far enough back to set up a pretty easy touchdown. So, yeah, I do think right. that's fluky. Like, like James said, I mean, the – the, the Tannehill fumbles and that kind of stuff, that's stuff that you need to, to get cleaned up. But when you talk about the play that happened in this game, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think, I don't know what, the, what exact percentage, but I, I would say seven or eight times out of 10, that ball, if it does get knocked out, it just falls to the ground and, and you've got another play right down there. So that's the kind of stuff. But again, you got to be able to overcome that stuff in a game like that. And, you know, they just weren't able to do quite enough in this one. But the Titans have had a lot of stuff that, that, that's been kind of fluky that's gone their way with blocked kicks and touchdowns and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it just feels like across an NFL season, all this stuff kind of evens out. Yeah, when you look at the numbers from this game, it really does feel like potentially a fluky game that the Texans somehow won. The Titans won the turnover battle 2-1. to one. They were better in the red zone, 3-for-4 compared to 3-for-5. They had more total yards. 432 to four, to 374. They had more yards per play, 6.4 to 5.9. They were about even in penalties. They had actually they had fewer penalties, but three more penalty yards. And they were pretty even in time of possession, a three three minute difference there. But the Texans come away with the 24-21 victory, blocked field goal, 88 yard interception return. Those are two huge reasons. Let's talk about the blocked field goal. Ryan Suckup now is one for six this season, kicking field goals. The Tennessee Titans are eight for 18, kicking field goals as a team. That's a season-long average of 44.4%. Let's say it held for the rest of the season. That would be the worst average since 1983, which actually, funnily, there were three teams that season all under 43%. Um, But the Titans, historically bad, historically bad kicking, Hasn't gotten better over the past few weeks. They have Santoso on the roster for I don't know what reason. It's definitely not to kick on sides, and he hasn't tried any field goals yet. I'll give a little credit to Suckup. He hasn't missed an extra point yet this season. But I want to ask what you guys think. Who's to blame here for Ryan Suckup's struggles? Is it Ryan Suckup for struggling? Is it Mike Vrabel for putting Ryan Suckup on the field when he's been struggling? Is it John Robinson for Ryan Suckup still being on the roster and not being on IR or, I don't know, being released outright? But what do you guys think? I'll just turn it over to you. I mean, I think you have to go all the way back to the offseason and the fact that they didn't have a, a kicker option in camp. And listen, we we killed Kaharski for this. And, you know, at the time, it seemed like such a ridiculous take. Like, who cares that they don't have any competition? Suckup's going to be fine. Um, you know, they had Austin Barnes, or it was actually a punter that did some kicking or, or whatever. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's on John Robinson because 
at, at some point you have to admit that this guy just doesn't have it either this year or anymore for whatever reason. And listen, Ryan Suckup for the you know for the majority of his career here has been fantastic. Um, you know, we'll, we'll always have the kick in Kansas City. I mean, there, there's so many things that you can point to, so many good things that he's done here. But it's obvious at this point that for whatever reason, there, there's something going on with him kicking field goals. Like you said, extra points, he's been automatic on, which, which has been great. But you've got to – you, you had to have somebody else. And having two kickers on the, on the roster is ridiculous. Um, like you said, you, you have a kickoff specialist who – he's like, what, 7 of 19 or something on, t- on touchbacks? I don't know if that's the exact right number. But he, if I'm going to pay a guy to come in here and just kick the ball off, he better be like 90% touchbacks. Um, and, and he hasn't been that guy. So I, I put that on Robinson for not having at least some type of viable option earlier on. Now, there's been some, you know, Cody Park, he was, was at least good enough, better than Suckup while he was here. Apparently, he's got something else going on. Jonathan Hutton was kind of alluding to that on uh, the Midday 180 today. That Basically, I, I think it's kind of out there that he's not going to play again this season. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Um, but so apparently he's not an option. But to me, they, there's got to be somebody else that they can bring in that can at least give them an option to, you know, kick touchbacks. And then the stat, I think it was something today like they haven't made a field goal longer than 36 yards since the end of October. <laughs> I mean, you, you just can't you can't consistently win in this league without being able to do that. And, you know, listen, when when he ran out there to kick that field goal in, in the first quarter, how confident were any of us that he was going to make that? Uh, I mean, just he's just not there. And like I said, I love the guy; he's been great for the for the majority of his career. But it's it's not there this year. I don't know if it's health. I don't know if it's mental. What it is, but it's time for them to admit that it's not there and come up with some other option. Yeah, I um, I honestly think they're, and I really don't like saying this, but I think they're going to ride suck about um, probably into the playoffs. I think they're just going to hope that he actually gets it together. Um, I've always said the kicking, the kicking game is really mental. Um, I think he's really in his head right now. Uh, I don't really know how much I want to attribute to the injury. Um, even though that's, I mean, he was on IR for the first, what, seven weeks. So, but I think at this point, they're just hoping he's going to pull it together at some point. Um, and if they are going to cut him, he's probably going to be cut in the off season. Um, just because there is like Jimmy was saying, just really a lot of lack of options out there. But really, how much worse can Ryan Santosa really do? And right, I mean, let him try. What they were saying in practice, he was hitting like sixty yarders or sixty plus. So I mean, just put him out there. I mean, what what do you have to lose at this point? I mean, is he going to get blocked or is he going to miss? I mean, we're already getting that with Ryan Suckup. So right, yeah. And what's interesting is uh, they worked out Brett Maher. Brett Maher former Cowboys kicker who was released for being not good enough, but I don't know. That's at least a different kicker change of scenery and all that. Um, it's just crazy because these two guys, Mike Brabel and John Robinson have put such a, a big emphasis on having a good special teams unit and the importance of special teams being like the hidden points and the hidden yards and all that crap. And here they are just trotting out Ryan Suckup, who's one for six now and just saying, just, I mean, crossing their fingers and saying, hopefully he puts it together again. That's not a strategy. Hope is not a strategy. So I want to see a strategy for him here. We'll see what happens in the last three games. Hope you're not right, James. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this recap of the Titans-Texans game one. Another game coming in two weeks. Um, this one in Houston, week 17. Hopefully for the division. But in order for that to happen, 
The Titans have to win this weekend, and the Texans have to lose this weekend. So we'll see. Keep our fingers crossed. Texans play on Saturday, which is good to know, just just because we'll know if the division's in play by Sunday. Anyway, on our next show, we're going to talk about our awards from the game, which will give us lots of little topics to diverge into. And then we're going to talk... um, close it out with our little state of the titans discussion before we uh head into the week so that's what we got coming next remember to find us wherever you listen to your podcasts just search music city miracles anywhere your podcasts come from we're gonna be with jimmy from uh from now through the end of the month and uh we'll see what happens after that maybe more and um don't forget to follow james on twitter a thousand followers now yay at south texas titan Jimmy is at J Morris MCM. Is that right? <laughs> yep, that's right. And you can find me at Titans Film Room. That's it for now. More, more to come. More to come soon. The end. Of-